All right, hello and welcome to another episode of On The Go with NPOs. In this podcast, students in Michigan State University's arts, cultural management, and museum studies programs explore stories from industry professionals at nonprofit organizations across the country to shed light on what they've been doing to create a world that values and nourishes heritage, creativity, and performance. I'm today's host, Chase Shepard. I'm here with my good friend, Kalel Blanford, who works at the Cranbrook Institute of Science. So, Kalel, introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, so hey, as as Chase said, my name is Kalel Blanford, uh, and I did work at Cranbrook over the summer, but I got that job because I was in between jobs as I just graduated from Wayne State. I graduated in um, winter of 2021, and I'm taking a, a gap year. Currently, I'm going to be going to either uh, law school or back to undergrad for um software engineering uh, come next fall. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just, uh, I'm just a history major doing history major things. Yeah, some of the best parts about working with museums is just like getting to meet all these people. And I know as I worked in museums, I only worked there over the summers and I really only interacted with kids. But even with the kids, man, some of those five-year-olds, they know so much. They've taught me so much about dinosaurs and outer space that I thought I knew like a fair amount about, but those kids are geniuses. And that's just part of the, that's the best thing about museums is you're talking to these people, no matter what age they are, that are just so passionate about it. And it's great. Okay. So yeah, back onto the camp season, we do a ton of different activities, experiments, all these different experiences. So what are some of your favorites and why were they your favorites? Uh, in terms of favorites, I'll work my way up. I'll give kind of like three. Uh, I I know my top one, and that that's I'll save the best for last, as I said. Um, but we one of the um, <clears throat> one of the experiments that I liked that we did <clears throat> was we created a Rube Goldberg machine uh, with the kids uh, to help just kind of like garner a passion for for experimenting like yeah it's really cool to see the whole machine work the first try but like it's not going to <laughs> so it's okay to like right. fail a little bit and then come back with the experience you gained from uh things not working out right the first time and uh try it again and so it was really cool to to see kids learn that and also to be in charge of creating a rube goldberg machine myself because i really like uh puzzles and 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 like challenges that have to do with spatial acuity and so it was fun um so can you explain to us really quickly just for the listeners who might not know what is a rube goldberg uh so it's it's like some of those machines you probably see in in youtube videos uh where you're you're essentially performing a simple task like putting putting ketchup on a hot dog or something but you have a really big overly complex mechanism uh that gets the task done instead of you just using your hand to put the ketchup on the hot dog so like you have uh a cup drop into a ball which which weighs down uh sorry a ball drop into a cup that weighs down the cup which is attached to to a pulley which then like trip a series of dominoes that would activate a machine that eventually gets the task done Uh, so it's essentially just an overly complex machine uh, that serves to complete a very simple task, just for the sake of enjoyment. That's a great experiment that we do, especially during our <clears> physics <throat> week. We pair it with our lessons on simple machines, where we teach the kids all about pulleys and levers and 
inclines, all these great simple machines that really add up to make one bigger, yeah. awesome machine. Okay, That's so that was your your third yeah. favorite. And why was that your favorite? Because your your love for puzzles and interaction and you got to lead it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I will definitely say there. that a lot of my favorite uh, activities have to do a lot more with um, – it's, it's a bit more selfish than, than saying that the kids had fun doing it. Though I will say that, that seeing the kids invested is kind of like, it's like explaining something you're really passionate about to someone. Uh, so like talking about, it, I guess talking about Rube Goldberg machines for someone might be their passion. And seeing someone interact with what you're saying and ask questions and be an active listener and learner, it's really encouraging, uh, which is one of the things that I learned when I was doing forensics in college was that you have to be a, like a good listener, an active listener to the, uh, to the speaker, even if you're not actively listening. And so it's very rewarding to see kids engaged in what we're doing because it feels like, you know, what you're doing is either making a difference or having an impact on someone. And, you know, it's always good to have more people in, uh, in your discourse community. Right. I totally um, But then the, let's see, the, the, my second favorite, would probably be it would probably be pond dipping uh because if pond dipping is there are multiple ponds and lakes on cranbrook's property uh and the camps use them to analyze the local wildlife and how the ecosystem interacts with each i'm sorry with itself um and so getting the chance to go out and pond dip and gather the local wildlife and see how uh bugs are in the water and how we did actually catch some frogs which was really cool uh it was tedious but it was fun uh the kids really enjoyed it and it it was just kind of it was kind of interesting to see right like because a lot of people in their day-to-day life aren't particularly aware of the effect that humans have on the aware of the effect humans have on the ecosystem uh, it's kind of like people recognizing like shells exist on the beach and they're formed from sand and stuff that you find in the water but they don't really realize that like creatures make those shells it's not just sand deciding through osmosis to stick together shells are home to a variety of creatures and they wash their way up on the beaches once the creatures are done with them and so it's it's interesting to see that in action that we're not the only people like inhabiting the planet and while i do think that that lesson may have gone over the kids heads partially because I didn't attempt to to teach it to them, which is on me. Um, it, it is very interesting to see them uh, looking at the, the, the different... Um, it's good to see an interest in biology, I suppose, uh, is what I'm trying to yes. say. It also, it just adds that aspect of like, there's science and we do so much of that. It's a science camp. But some <clears> of the, the best parts of our camp is just that outside absolutely. play. And we get to go outside and we spend an hour mucking around in a puddle and like <laughs> like picking up frogs and flowers and plants and looking under things with microscopes and it's just really exciting for the kids i guess to have a different a change of scenery you know yeah yeah it's fun. absolutely um yeah and so then number one is is definitely the uh mr tim shows uh yes. mr tim which is his first name is legally not mr i feel the need to say that <laughs> uh but he is the resident paleontologist mm-hmm. and i think and geologist i think it's just paleontologist actually uh at cranbrook uh and he gave shows to the kids on i guess all manner of prehistoric life uh but mainly dinosaurs we did have one presentation on mastodons 
Yes. In which I found out that they grazed, or is that mammoths that graze? Either way, I found it very interesting that such a large mammal grazed uh, and didn't like forage. But like, it's very big, too big to forage. So that makes sense logically. But like, that's a lot of grass. Um, right. <clears throat> but I, I, I have always really enjoyed learning about history. I'm a history. I was a history major, uh, and. Uh, paleontology is has always been very interesting to me. I enjoy learning about anything that's happened in our past, anything and everything. And a lot of my friends uh, had paleontology majors or minors, and so it's definitely not localized to just me, even within my personal life. And so I found it very interesting to learn more about you know, dinosaurs and, and life before us, I suppose, us as the modern human. There have been different types of humans that existed in the past, obviously. Those are interesting to learn about, too. But I won't ramble about that, and I definitely could, so I won't. I'm sure, I'm sure. No, the the Mr. Tim shows, and we used to do the Doug shows, and the Planetarium shows, all these little science shows that we have, we do a few a week at the camps. They're just really fun. You can see the kids really getting to engage, and they get to see some of the bigger experiments that are a little less um, five-year-old friendly, like the uh, lightning machine, the Tesla coil, mm. uh, the elephant toothpaste, stuff that an adult has to do. Um, and they get to watch it and they get so excited. And when we light up that Tesla coil, you can hear the screaming from all the way down the hallway. It's great. It's so much fun for the the course of this. At Cranbrook, we worked hard to foster an exciting educational experience following the mission of the museum. Can you name some specific examples of how the museum actively works towards this mission? And as a refresher, the mission statement states, this is going off their website. It says, Cranbrook Institute of Science is a natural history and science museum that fosters in its audiences a passion for understanding the world around them and a lifelong love of learning. Through its broadly based educational programs, its permanent and changing exhibits, and its collections and research, the institute develops a scientifically literate public able to cope with today's knowledge-based society. Moreover, Cranbrook Institute of Science generates the enthusiasm for learning about the natural world that will produce the scientists of tomorrow. So, I think that an important part about this question is the fact that you know, Cranbrook is, in essence, or at its, at its core, a science and natural history museum with a main focus on the science. Um, and in order to achieve that goal, obviously it has to have scientific uh, findings or scientific evidence and exhibits in the museum, which is a part of how it draws its uh, local community in, its crowd in, and educates the public. Um, and so by nature of just being a science and natural history museum, there are certain things that it does really well, certain things it has to do in order to fulfill that mantle. Uh, and then some things that it doesn't do as well. So just we'll focus on the doing well for now, uh, because this question is about how it fosters uh, a passion for scientific learning and science, science, sorry, uh, scientific literacy um, within its community. And so uh, Cranbrook has a variety of exhibits, shows, uh, it hosts field trips as well, uh, all in an attempt to make the, I guess, whatever communities that it may host during those times, uh, more engaged in the topic of science. Uh, whether that be about Native American culture for the Great Lakes region, uh, whether it be about 
uh, prehistoric life through specific shows, the Mr. Tim show being an example of one, or whether it be about Michigan or national geology. Yes, that's right. Um, It just by having specific exhibits, specific exhibits, specific shows about these things, it instills that that passion for learning about those topics in its audience. And so that's probably the main way that it works to fulfill its mission. And I guess it's pretty, it's not to say they don't have to work hard to do it. There are definitely museums, science museums that I've been to, uh, not just in Michigan, but across the country that have failed to complete that mission. It's, it's clear that the staff isn't like passionate about spreading it at all. Uh, I don't know, management might be lazy or not have proper funding, and it's unfortunate to see. Uh, but Cranbrook luckily has a very passionate staff. Uh, Mr. Tim, again, being a very good example of someone that's very passionate about paleontology. When you take a Mr. Tim show, you will know for a fact that you are getting quality uh, information because the person that's telling the information is so passionate about what they're speaking about. And the same way we have our presenters on uh Native American history, they are very, very into their shows, and it's very clear to see. And so it makes you want to go home and learn about it yourself, makes you engage in the presentation. And it's not necessarily something that Cranbrook is actively doing. It's by recruiting their members that have a passion for actively doing these things, which is a job, I believe, a key, a core job of scientific institutions in America. Uh, that allows them to to charter these beliefs that they want to instill into the public. Um, I guess that's a bit of a, a long-handed, uh, a, a long-winded way of saying that I think that Cranbrook does their job well, and that if they do their job well, then they should be able to charter. No, that's great. I really love message, what you said about the uh, passionate crazy. employees because that's so true. We have some employees, even part-time employees, where if you just spark up a conversation about one of the smallest little exhibits on display they can go on for hours and hours about just how excited they are and it's it's so great to see you know um i also love the in their mission they talk about lifelong love of learning um which is very true especially at cranbrook you know Mm -hmm. i myself was a a camper when i was younger and i know so many people who also were and they just keep coming back and they come back and they volunteer and they come back to the museum with their own kids if they're old enough or they come back to um, work at the museum and work at the summer camps um, just because of this this lifelong love for learning and this lifelong mm-hmm. love for Cranbrook and science itself is just so great at such a young age and it keeps you wanting more and more and it sparked a love for museums in me when I was a little kid. I have this great picture yeah. of me. I show all my coworkers of me in front of the um the stegosaurus in the front of the museum, the iconic, iconic steggy. And it, that's me. Oh, what? Steggy. How old was I then? It was probably like 13, 14 years ago now. And I just keep coming back because it's so great. Cranbrook really does such a good job. It's very classic. You know, it makes you, it feels like, um, like a second home almost because of just how, how homey it is, you know, how wonderful it is. So, um, STEAM education is a really hot topic right now, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Um, Do you think that Cranbrook does work to integrate the arts into STEM-based education? And do you personally find it important to have the arts integrated into the STEM fields? So 
I think this is probably a good time to to go into what scientific discourse communities can sometimes do poorly as a whole. And sorry, before I answer your last question first, I am very passionate about the arts being integrated into into STEAM. I think it's very important to recognize that while STEM jobs can be very rewarding, it is comparably difficult um, and also equally important to recognize that arts charter culture, which is something that can be seen in any amount of science or math or engineering of, of any culture that you're in. Uh, like the, we, we learn uh, parts of our math and, and architecture from Greeks and their architecture was very rooted in their culture. They charted their beliefs and that's the same way that art charters its own beliefs of its own culture. And so I believe it's very important to have not just STEM education, but include the A in there with STEAM as well. Um, and that's, I'd like to say that Cranbrook does a very good job of integrating the arts into its overall message for the community. Uh, but I don't think that's actually something that they're particularly good at. Uh, and that's not, to say that the, that's not to say that the staff isn't passionate about the topic. Uh, any number of employees there will go on and on about art or, or, or culture for hours if given the chance. Yes. I have experienced it firsthand. So I, uh, I think I have a little bit of authority to talk on that subject. Uh, and a, a lot of them in college were studied art or history or culture in some facet or aspect uh, of their collegiate career. Uh, and so it's not to say the staff isn't passionate about it. It's simply that the institution at its core is about science and history. It's those two things. And so in chartering its belief that the uh, the public should be scientifically literate, it sometimes neglects through creating its exhibits or writing its, its um, passages in said exhibits to include the fact that art can be very useful uh it can be very important to learn about as well uh and that's not to say there aren't like sort of crafts in any presentations or classes that some members might give uh they're uh, for for usually younger uh groups i believe school groups that we have in there's one of our uh, native american history uh, presenters has a craft where they talk about the seasons and what the seasons meant to specific tribes of native americans uh, and they have them make they have the kids make uh, like necklaces with with uh, not a real bear claw. I don't know how humane that would be, um, but it's with bear claws and, and beads. Um, and that's not so. It's not to say we don't do specific like things relating to crafts or relating to to culture and how it influences art. Uh, it's just that yes. it, it's it's a focus on science. No, I totally uh, agree. I think STEAM no education is so important, especially with the way that our world is heading. We need that integration of the arts more than ever. And I think fostering that at such a young age, especially we work with kindergartners mostly, like over the summer we worked with kindergartners, but like getting that love for arts and that showing them that art is just as important as the your typical STEM field. Um, and showing them that it's not either art or STEM, yeah. it can be both. Um, I think having that message shown at a yeah. young age is really important in keeping that alive and kind of making that flourish as we get older, as 
like a whole generation. No, I'm lucky enough to be able to combine my love for science and the arts with my um, current college career. And I really hope to keep going forward with that. But I think that's something that's um, often lost. And so us as museum employees and nonprofit employees, especially mm-hmm. in the arts, we should be um, pushing that as we go forward and as we advance into this career field, you know? I think. I think it's uh, I think it's a little bit important as well to it's people sometimes believe that like with with studies or with education uh, specifically specifically not in the arts you're gonna get out of it as much as you put into it and I feel like a lot of people don't get that it's the same with seeing like a painting on the wall is like yeah you can look at a painting on the wall see a blank canvas with a few red lines and be like ah I could recreate that in an instant it means nothing. Mm-hmm you're going to get as much out of a painting on the wall as you put into it. And it's the same with anything you do that it requires any amount of work. And I think it's, it's important for scientific literacy as well as just like understanding the world around you. And so I think that though we are a scientific community, we could do it. I think we could attempt to do a better job uh, of fostering a belief that you should open your mind to more possibilities than what you see in front of you. Unfortunately, we have to end our, our little conversation. So this has been On The Go With NPOs, a Michigan State's arts, cultural management, and museum studies podcast. Thank you to our program director, K.F. Latham, and the College of Arts and Letters for supporting this project. The opinions expressed on this program do not reflect official entities of Michigan State University. To hear more episodes and to learn how Michigan State in training future arts administrators to manage with compassion and care, visit artsmuseumsmanagement.cal.com msu.edu forward slash podcast. <laughs>